It also looks like X is coming for LinkedIn's neck with job posts, kind of, but I I don't think it's going to take over LinkedIn quite yet. Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. Today, we're going to dive into all of the juiciest social media marketing headlines that have happened over the past month or so. And if you're new here, please do take a second to subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Latosh James, or you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts. And it would mean the world to me if you took a second to say hello. Let me know which of these headlines you're excited about. Let me know if there's any other platforms or things that I should dive into in a future episode. And let's hop in. So first up, we have got to talk about Meta. So as some of you may know, Meta released a new product called Threads. Threads is essentially meant to be a rival to Twitter. It is a text-based app. Up until very recently, it was mobile only. So it's a true mobile app that um, is a very kind of simple version of Twitter. I've done a couple of videos about that before if you want to dive more into that. Well, it had record-breaking user enrollment or user uh, downloads, I suppose, when it first came out. But we're seeing a couple of months later that Meta's threads is significantly declining the usage, the traffic, everything. According to the Washington Post, daily active Android users on threads peaked on July 7th at 49.3 million uh, users, only to plummet to 10.3 million a month later on August 7th. Even users who go to threads are spending less time on the app than they once did, according to um, research from a company called Similar Web. Now, one of the big things that threads has done to try to boost that user engagement is they have finally rolled out the website, the web app, which I think myself, you know, included for sure, a lot of users were just so happy about because I don't know about you, but you know, I used to be like a Twitter power user, an X power user, I suppose. And I would just like keep it up in a tab on my computer while I was working. I kind of used it as my little social escape whenever I needed to. I think that they're hoping that it will reignite some of that excitement. The the problem for me with it is that the web app is still very, very bare bones. You can get to it just by going to threads.net on your browser. And I'm loading it right now. And, you know, for me, it was a little slow. It's also just very, very bare. Uh, The good thing is there's no ads, but the bad thing about that is it feels kind of weird. There's no ads. There's no trending tab like we're kind of used to seeing on Twitter. So it basically, it's just like a phone screen on my web browser. And it's just not that it's just not that engaging. There's also some features that we can't quite do yet. Like for instance, we cannot quote tweet or quote thread. You can only do a simple repost, retweet, um, or like, or reply. So it's got some work to, to do, I think, to really prove itself as a true X or Twitter competitor, but they're, they're continuing to make headway on it. Instagram, Instagram is reportedly making reels longer to take on TikTok and YouTube. This is very interesting. So the current hard limit for Instagram reels right now is three minutes, but it looks like some reporting came out that indicated a forthcoming leap to 10 minutes. Uh, The source says that this would effectively transform the social media site into a more robust video sharing platform like YouTube, 
It would also allow Meta's Instagram to further compete with rival TikTok, since TikTok does already allow users to post videos up to 10 minutes in length. So Meta already has various video options. I just did a, a Instagram live with a friend of mine, CJ, and we talked for 45 minutes. So like, I don't think they're gonna be completely reinventing the wheel. They already have the ability to host these videos. It's really about just turning it on for the Reels feature. Now, Reels were really introduced as a competitor to TikTok, which when both of those platforms first kind of came out, they were the short form, you know, that's what everybody says is this is short form content. And, you know, even back in 2020, 2021, it was like micro content, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. And over the years, I've definitely noticed that this content is getting a little bit longer form as a long form content creator. I personally am pretty excited about it. To be honest with you, I think um, I'm just not good at talking for 15 or 30 or even a minute, so, you know, 60 seconds long. I need a little space. So I'm excited to see what happens with this. I think one of the big reasons that this is happening is advertising. It's really hard to sell advertising on a very, very short clip. We're seeing this with, with YouTube shorts as well. I've been digging into my YouTube analytics for a separate reason. And I mean, my YouTube shorts earn me about two cents. I think that's what I've, that might be my lifetime earnings on YouTube shorts. I mean, it is really hard to sell ad spots on something that short. And of course it's hard to get sponsorships, right? Who's going to sponsor one of my YouTube shorts or a TikTok if it's only 30 seconds. So I'm excited to see the possibilities with this. Let me know what you think of it down in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube. I want to take a second to thank today's sponsor, Metricool. Metricool is my favorite social media platform. It enables you to schedule posts, to plan out a content calendar, to pull reports and look at analytics, even to run ads directly through the tool. It's seriously changed my business and you can check it out 30 days free on any of their pro plans using the code Latasha at the link in the description box. I'll go ahead and leave that for you down below. Again, use code Latasha for 30 days free on any of their plans. It's an amazing deal and this tool will change your business. It certainly has changed mine. All right, time to talk about X, <laughs> the, the app formerly known as Twitter. Well, the newly installed CEO, Linda Yaccarino, actually, this is about a month old. So she said this a while ago. She said that X is the future state of unlimited interactivity centered in audio, video, messaging, payments, slash banking, creating a global marketplace for ideas goods, services, and opportunities. She goes on to say that powered by AI, X will connect us all in ways where we're just beginning to imagine. So uh, that's kind of a lot of words and I had to read it a few times to be like, what? What are we talking about here? Apparently X really wants to be more than just a microblogging app. They do not want to simply be a place where people go and talk in, you know, the community town square. They really want to become integrated with our lives. I, you know, they're very much wanting to be on the cutting edge of AI and, and financial technology and all of these different things, which scares me a little. Like, I don't know that I need a microblogging app to have access to my bank account. You know, I just I just don't know that I need that. Musk's uh, Elon, his description was, 
Even simpler, he said that his goal is to transform the social network into X, the everything app. And as we know, he did rebrand. They did rebrand as X. And so now it looks like this just came out just a day or two ago. Apparently, Rhode Island's regulators have granted X a currency transmitter license, marking a step forward for the company's foray into the financial services sector. So apparently they actually have applied uh, for some type of um, license that allows them to start engaging in financial services, currency. I am not an expert in any of those spaces, so you can read about that on your own. But it definitely looks like they are trying to trying to make X happen and kind of take over our lives a little bit. On another note, on a note that I understand a little bit more, it also looks like X is coming for LinkedIn's neck with job posts, kind of. But I, I don't think it's going to take over LinkedIn quite yet. There are some kind of steep um, hills that you have to climb to get access to this tool, but we're going to keep our eye on it, of course. So Apparently, if you have a gold check mark on X, you are going to be able to add open an open roles shelf to your profile. So essentially, you can have a job board within your X profile. So if you're a company, a big company hiring for a bunch of different roles, you can have a tab on your X profile where people can go and apply for those jobs, which is pretty interesting. I think historically, companies haven't haven't necessarily fared the best on X necessarily. I think companies obviously tend to go to LinkedIn where they're much more accepted, welcome, and have all of those hiring tools and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. But like I said, there are some steep kind of requirements in order to be able to use this feature. So it looks like you need to be a subscriber to Verification for Organizations, which is X's $1,000 per month premium business plan. So I do not see my company getting on this. Most people who are even tuning into the show, their company, most of us are small business owners. This is going to be, you know, your giant corporations uh, who will likely be subscribing to this unless you have, for some reason, a very huge X presence and you are a small business owner, probably not going to be in most of our budgets. And even still, this is still in beta at time of recording this. So once you have that $1,000 a month plan, you still need to apply to join the X hiring beta and be accepted. So very new days on hiring by X or X hiring, but it will be interesting to see how it works out for the companies that choose to use it and see if it eventually rolls out to more companies or maybe to one of the lower tiers, because 1K is a lot to hire people. Compare that to LinkedIn, where it's free to post like a basic job posting. Of course, there's advanced features, premium features, things like that, but um, it's still much more affordable and accessible. Speaking of LinkedIn, though, um, this was pretty interesting. I read this in Bloomberg. Apparently, LinkedIn user engagement is growing. We have spent so much time, I feel like, talking about X and, you know, they're changing something every single day, it feels like, and even Instagram and Meta and Threads, you know, there's just so much change with a lot of these apps. And we sometimes forget about LinkedIn. It's a smaller app in terms of daily users and, and all of that, but they're reporting that their user engagement is actually growing and they haven't done a whole lot, you know, made a whole lot of changes really over the years. Of course, they've adopted new technologies where necessary. They've experimented with different things, but more or less the format of LinkedIn has remained the same for, for years. Important to note that they don't actually report out their number of daily or monthly average users, but the company is saying that in the spring of this year, users shared 41% 
more content on the network than they had in the same period in 2021. That kind of growth is unusual for a 20-year-old operation and speaks to the turbulence at other major social media services. That's what um, Bloomberg is saying. And, And yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting. Like, we know what to expect out of LinkedIn. We might get some new features. We might, you know, see some new faces. But more or less, we know what we're going to get. And I think especially for these businesses that are paying for advertising, that are using these platforms for hiring and recruiting, they want to go with what's tried and true. They don't want to experiment too much, especially if they do have a smaller budget and you know don't just have a few thousand dollars to throw away um, and potentially not regain on a newer platform. So just something interesting to note. I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool as a freelancer. As an entrepreneur, if you're looking to connect with people, I just responded to um, a LinkedIn message just a moment ago asking me to speak on a pretty big stage. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity on that platform. Don't sleep on LinkedIn, guys. <laughs> I swear it's it's really helpful. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kind of going along with that, apparently you are also now able to label your partnered posts on LinkedIn, which is another signal that they really want people on the platform and not just people like your traditional LinkedIn user, you know, the CEO or the the recruiter, but they want creators on LinkedIn. They want people to really be getting social on LinkedIn and potentially even competing with platforms like X that are, you know, more text-based kind of microblogging platforms. So they introduced creator mode for profiles a while back now. So that's definitely been a thing, but now they're allowing you and, you know, encouraging you to publicly label your post as a brand partnership if you do brand partnership. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Like I haven't seen very much sponsored content on LinkedIn. I've seen a lot of creator style posts, you know, people sharing little, you know, Twitter-esque threads and things of that nature, but I haven't seen very many sponsorships, you know, hey, this is a sponsored post with XYZ. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see it roll out. They say on their their kind of update blog, you should use this label if you've been compensated by a third party in any way for the post you're creating. Okay, and let's talk about YouTube really quickly. Um, I'm actually going to have a personal YouTube update coming separately on the podcast platforms only. I think I'm going to put that out on Monday. I'm going to try to do a video episode on Spotify and and everywhere else. So be sure to check that out if you want. But one big kind of YouTube wide piece of news that has come out is that YouTube is now giving creators who violate any type of policies a way to wipe out their warnings. So this article in TechCrunch says that creators will now have the option of taking an educational training course when they receive a warning. So typically, you know, if you do something wrong, break any type of terms of violation, whether that's copyright or posting about something, um, you know, that's, 
I don't know, harmful, I suppose, you may get a strike on your account basically saying, hey, don't do this again. I'm actually not sure how many strikes you get until you are kicked off. I think it does depend on what exactly the violation is. But basically, this new update is saying that, hey, if you make a mistake, you can basically take a little you know, test, take a class and learn why what you did was wrong and get that strike wiped off because historically those strikes don't come off if I'm not mistaken. So a representative for YouTube explained in an announcement that we know receiving a strike can be disruptive to a creator's posting schedule. And for the creators building businesses through our YouTube partner program, receiving an unintentional strike is not only frustrating, but can financially impact their bottom line. So they want to offer redemption, I suppose. And I'm all for that. I think a lot of times people just don't know that what they did is wrong, particularly when it comes to copyright and things like that. I know when I first started YouTube, I remember actually, I used to use <laughs> clips of real songs at, just at the end of my, my videos. And it was short enough that I never got a strike from it. But obviously, you know, if I would have, I don't think I, I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. I was just, I just didn't know. So yeah, interesting to note. All right, let's talk about a couple of creator stories to round out the episode. So this one's a little sad, poor Jimmy. So Mr. Beast, he is a YouTube creator. His name is Jimmy. I can't remember his last name, um, but he is a huge, yeah, Jimmy Donaldson is his name. He is, I think, the, the most subscribed to channel on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken, huge creator. He's actually getting sued by a former business partner. So that's disappointing for him. Let's see the uh, company is called Virtual Dining Concepts, and they're suing him for $100 million. I mean, with that said, Mr. Beast is worth a lot. I mean, he has a huge channel, but still, like, no one wants to be sued for that much money. That is a lot of money. So uh, Virtual Dining Concepts and Celebrity Virtual Dining, they said that Mr. Beast failed to honor his contractual obligations as well as intentional tortious interference. Interference. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly. So to give you some background on how they were affiliated, Mr. Beast had a ghost kitchen through this company. And what that means is instead of creating his own restaurant, you know, a full-blown chain of restaurants, he leveraged the existing infrastructure of other restaurants to create this this burgers and fry kind of brand. I heard about this the first time I was looking at Uber Eats to order something. And I was like, we have a Mr. Beast restaurant around here. And when I actually did the Google mapping, I realized it was like a it was it was some other family casual dining type restaurant. It, it wasn't his own restaurant. So they just cook the food in the kitchen and then deliver it, if that makes sense. Well, it looks like Donaldson, Mr. Beast, already sued Virtual Dining Concepts and its parent company last month seeking to terminate the deal, alleging, among other things, that the burgers it served were disgusting, revolting, and inedible. He also said that the quality of the food uh, damaged his reputation. So then uh, virtual dining concepts is firing back and countersuing, I suppose. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Obviously, I don't want anything bad to happen to creators like support the creator community and all that. But it is just a really interesting one to think about because I think we've gotten so used to YouTuber collabs and brand collabs and sponsorships and things like that. And we don't often talk about kind of the ugly side or the the negative consequences that can come and, you know, leveraging your reputation both ways to, to another brand 
can come with consequences. Like it's very important to choose your brand partners and all of that very, very wisely. I take it very seriously about who I work with. I vet them. I know he does too. I have no doubt he does as well. I'm sure, you know, he didn't expect that. And I'm sure the company didn't expect this. So, you know, it's unfortunate for both sides, of course. Another thing that's pretty unfortunate is uh, there may be some trouble in paradise with OpenAI, which is, of course, the company that created ChatGPT, the wildly popular AI tool. They've actually been hit with a proposed lawsuit. It's a class action lawsuit. And the claims are that OpenAI secretly scraped massive amounts of personal data from the internet. And it looks like it's nearly a 160 page document. Many publishers are also, uh, you know, becoming a part of this and starting to take like legal action against uh, open AI as well. New York Times is one of the publishers that has blocked their crawlers. They're saying like, no, stop crawling New York Times for information. They're certainly not the only ones. Regarding the New York Times issue, the person who or individuals who confirmed this potential lawsuit requested anonymity um, because they weren't authorized to speak publicly on the matter. So it is important to keep that in mind. Essentially what they said is that, you know, when someone searches online, they're served a paragraph long answer from an AI tool that refashions reporting from the times because of this, why would you ever visit New York times anymore? Right? You can just get your information from this AI tool. And I think this is something that anyone who publishes content, who creates content, who, you know, writers, we're seeing this, uh, I think uh, Sarah Silverman is somebody who has spoken about this, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I mean, everybody from, you know, actors to writers to to publishers are speaking out about this stuff because, yeah, why would you ever need to actually consume their stuff if you can just get the answer in two seconds through an AI tool? So I've said this before, I'll say it again, I think having nuanced, you know, meaningful conversations about AI does not make you an AI hater, does not make you, you know, um, I don't know, negative Nancy. But we do have to talk about this stuff because if we are relying on AI to get our jobs done and all of a sudden it gets taken away, which it, it potentially could be if any of these lawsuits hold any weight, you know, we got to be prepared for that. We got to think critically about it and be able to have nuanced conversations about it. So more to come on that. I'll keep you posted, of course. And let's go ahead and end today's episode on a lighter note, although who knows if it will be lighter because people seem to really not like this person. Let's keep it kind in the comments, but apparently Meghan Markle is coming back to Instagram. Now she was a working actress. She was a you know, a, a celebrity in her own right before marrying into the royal family. And she was actually a blogger before, um, before she was no longer able to have social media in the traditional way. So kind of interesting from that perspective, but what's more interesting to me is that she managed to somehow secure the handle at Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N. This unverified Instagram account appeared on the platform with a picture of pink flowers as the profile picture. And according to multiple reports, the account does indeed belong to the Duchess. So yeah, what's interesting to me as a marketer, as somebody who works in social media is how the heck did she get that username? Like there's no way she was just sitting on that username for years. Right. And so the daily mail actually, which I don't particularly love going to the daily mail, uh, website, but they did do an interesting interview with 
a founder of a digital marketing agency called Rank Lane, kind of said that celebrities often have an easier time obtaining their usernames. And he kind of went through some of the potential ways that she could have obtained the Megan handle. They said it might have been in use by another individual and she could have reached out to them and said, hey, I'll pay you or hey, just can I have it? I've tried that before. It didn't work. I'm not, I don't have enough clout or probably money to do that to get Latasha. And then he also said that if it was inactive or perceived as squatting, which is holding on to a username without genuine use for it, especially with the intentions to profit from it later, that Instagram's policies could have facilitated its release to Megan's. I'm always very curious. I've never worked with a celebrity. I've worked with some politicians and I've worked with some mu musicians, music artists, no one who was like that famous though. So if there is anybody who listens to Freelance Friday who does work with celebrities, I would love to interview you. I would love to hear some of the secrets and the tricks of the trade of working with some high profile clients. It's just very fascinating to me. We can blur your, your face and distort your voice if you want to, but uh, please hit me up if you want to come on the show. Anyway, that's it for what's been going on in the world of social media marketing lately. Let me know what you have been keeping your eye on, what you're paying attention to, if there's anything you'd like me to cover you know, in between now, the next month, whenever. And please do be sure to follow me on social at the Latasha James on Instagram, TikTok, X, threads everywhere. And I will talk to you in my next episode.